it isn't it weird that the tall man's also actively murdering? He mm-hmm. runs a funeral home. He gets there are dead bodies weird. all They'll over the place. In. Why does he need to kill as well? You're absolutely right. And also I like it. I guess it's just I like it. Hello, welcome to Guides the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And this week we're talking about the Phantasm franchise. This is a set of movies that are horror, but also at least as you get into the fifth movie, I would say more like sci-fi action. It is a very bizarre trajectory. Mm -hmm. It, It starts like a lot in sort of horror surrealism yeah you know the first one yeah and uh certainly the further that it goes it gets into a very evil dead place Mm -hmm. but then with drips and drabs yeah of like terminator yeah of like we're in the apocalypse and we're fighting yes a monster with you know we've got like bullet what are those bullet belts that like chewbacca wears is it called like a bandolero am i yeah, crazy something like that uh-huh. i don't know um but yeah phantasm we are going to attempt to discuss phantasm in this episode we'll do um, our best all thanks to the suggestion of one of our listeners yeah chris yeah. so thank you chris this one's for you yep um i don't know if you'll enjoy this or if you're gonna be like i have <laughs> yeah, no I idea i don't know if anybody's gonna or is anyone gonna walk away from this episode being like oh i get it now, now. i understand phantasm i mean i'm gonna leave us on the last movie yeah and if that's any indication, I'm going to say no. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to satisfactorily wrap this up for you, I hate to say. I almost, Not for lack of trying. Sure. I almost think that the act of talking about Phantasm is going to be somewhat as cumbersome, nonlinear, and trippy uh-huh. as the movies themselves. Perhaps we'll work it out. Maybe. Maybe. Through conversation. We'll find out. I did watch all five of these movies mm-hmm. uh, for the purposes of this show. Right. I think that is the most movies I've ever watched for a single episode ever. Maybe. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but you watched one and five. Right. Which are the bookends. Yes. So I want to ask you. What? I want to ask you what you think this is about. If you like it. Um, and if you would want to see two, three, and four, if you have any curiosity about digging into that middle chunk. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to save what this is about for when I go into, you know, the first movie description and everything. Well, not the literal plot, but like what is, what's it about? Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's about this guy, like (laughs) entity thing called the tall man who comes to earth from another world or dimension or something like that and is taking dead bodies and smushing them down turning them into little people little yeah turning them into little people and then sending those little people back to his dimension to become slaves yes that appears to be his right. plot and so you know we have protagonists who are trying to stop him so that's i guess that's basically and if you try to stop him, he has these, like, sentinel things that come after you, which are these, like, steel orbs that have, uh, what would you call them? I don't know, like, blades yeah, they that shoot. come out of them. Yeah. And so they lodge into you and then shoot all of your blood out of a hole yes. that's in the ball. It's, it's literally like a Christmas tree ornament, a silver yeah. ball latches onto your face, drills into your brain, mm-hmm. and and siphons all your blood out. Right. But just sprays it out the back end. <laughs> like and just what, shoots it across the room. End? To kill you? I know. It just seems 
I don't know, more elaborate than necessary to kill you. A hundred percent, but it's cool looking. Yes, totally. I mean, that's what it is. But yeah, yeah. Phantasm is a franchise that lives or dies by how much you enjoy its iconography. Oh, I think that's got to be true. That's it. Because the story doesn't make sense. Right. The franchise trajectory is bizarre. Mm -hmm. Uh, Episode episode one. Like it's Star Wars or like a TV show. The first movie, um, there's a character named Reggie who drives an ice cream truck. Yep. He is like a side character in the first movie. By the time you get to the end of this franchise, he is the main character. Oh, yeah. He's the guy. He is Bruce Campbell in Evil Dead. We are supposed to think that he is charming and hilarious. Yeah, and kind of kooky. Yeah. Um, But this all has a feeling of it being like a low-budget indie film. Mm -hmm. And again, it seems to live or die based on like, do you like the silver balls? Do you like the tall man? Do you love Reggie? And guess what? I do like the silver balls, and I do like the tall man. Me too. So do I. Reggie, I like. I like, yeah, Reggie, I'm more sort of like curious about. I watch him, I watch him and I was just sort of like think like. I feel like he really stumbled into something. Yes, oh, 100%. I I look at him and I think like, it's, he must feel like the luckiest man on the planet that he is the star of five movies. Right. Um, And good for him. Absolutely. I think that he's enjoyable enough to oh, watch. Yeah. But but you know like they do act like he has the charisma of, of Bruce, Bruce Campbell. Campbell. Like Bruce Campbell is like this makes absolute this is what this guy is supposed to be doing. This yes. all feels right. This feels like a real person who stepped off the street right. and they started filming him and it just happened to work out. He picked a lane and mm-hmm. he stuck with it. Right. He goes Groovy. Who loves your baby? Right. And he's and he he goes. This is my boomstick. Like he's big and wacky. Does pratfalls. Uh huh. Everything is Looney Tunes, and he excels at it. Yes. And then Reggie in the Phantasm series is like they went well. Um, he can't do all that, but he can do some of his own stunts. Uh huh. And we'll at least let him be kind of a weird horn dog. Right. Right, so he has that part. He has the smart Bruce Campbell's character, but down none of the charisma. Pat. Yeah, I, I feel the same. Yeah, he's got a Cuda. Yes, he's so got that's the car. Ca- right, the cool so car. he's got kind of like a muscle car sort of thing Which going on. Which Ash sort of does that's too, what I'm saying. especially like, in the TV show Ash versus the Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. But so I wrote this note, and I'll say I'll probably say a version of this again at the end. This entire franchise. It's about like dreams and trippiness. Mm -hmm. The name Phantasm means nightmare. Mm -hmm. And so similar to Freddy Krueger and A Nightmare on Elm Street, the original movie, the most, seems to posit like, by the time the credits roll, you're almost meant to think, maybe none of this happened. Maybe none of what we actually saw really happened for real, and it was a nightmare that a character had. Um, and so they do a lot of this like toying with did X really happen or did Y actually happen? Mm-hmm. Is this real or is this imagined? Is this a nightmare or is this the waking life? They do all of this guessing game type stuff throughout all five movies. And eventually I, I wrote it down as this. It's almost as if this entire franchise is constructed around dreams and confusion so that poor storytelling can be explained as being intentional. Yeah, maybe it'll it all can be excused away. If you don't It's like an escape hatch. It is. If you don't get it, that's the point. Right. So in that way, Phantasm is almost criticism proof. 
Yeah. Because it's almost constructed to be like, well, we can always say, ah, you don't get it. Ah, there was a dream. Mm -hmm. You're not supposed to understand. Right. But it leaves me having watched five movies where I the line is blurred between all five. Mm -hmm. I presently sitting here with you, I cannot tell you what happens in three versus four. I don't know anymore. <laughs> um, Your whole life has become phantasm. It has. It is all mushed into one congealed blob. Right. And I kind of liked it. Mm -hmm. And I kind of am uninterested in it. Yeah. Um, but I do think that there's a lot to talk about. But it does seem to all be constructed as an excuse. It could be. But you know what? I don't think that it's criticism proof. Okay. Because a criticism that I would have for it that you can't really argue any of that away with is that at least the fifth movie in particular, I was bored. Yeah, being and bored so, is bad. Yeah, that's not something that you can really like justify away. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Being bored and being confused are two incredibly different things. Mm -hmm. At a certain and they point, didn't lead into each other a little bit. Like I was confused, and that sort of led to boredom because right. I was confused, and I was like, "But I don't really care." Either. Yes. So uh... the, they they can only play that one joke mm -hmm. of being like, "Is he awake or is he asleep?" Oh, I know. So many times before you go awake asleep, mm -hmm. I don't care. I'm asleep. I'm checking out. Right. Um, but let's get into it. We'll start yeah. at the, the beginning here. Phantasm 1979. Right. Well, also, you asked if I have any desire to go back. That's right, yeah. I don't. Really? You can just walk away from this. Absolutely. Full stop. Yeah, completely. Ah, interesting. Yeah, it was really hard for me to stay engaged with the fifth movie. Like, yeah. really hard. I can get that. Um. So, no, I don't particularly want to. And um and yeah, so how's the what's the best way to do this so that I can try to fill in the gaps of what happens in between? And you can help me. I I'll think obviously talk about the first one. Yeah, and then I guess do we just jump to five, or is that annoying for everybody? I think do one and five. Honestly, having seen all five, mm -hmm. one and five, I genuinely think that you can probably watch in a vacuum mm -hmm. and get just as much as if you did see two, three, and four. I think I, I wasn't really that confused. I mean, I kind of, there were a couple of things where I was like, what? But they right. do sort of um, have a little bit of exposition. Yeah, well. And you can figure it out anyway. I was just mm -hmm. like, okay, so this guy's been battling the tall man in some way for like a million years now. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of glad to hear you say that because at least the movies then are constructed the way that movies probably should be. Mm -hmm. Sequels probably should be of like, they give you enough context that you can go for the ride, even if maybe you hadn't even seen the first one at all. Yeah. Like, nobody wants to start with Phantasm Five Ravager. Probably not. Right? But if you did, mm -hmm. the movie probably should give you enough context. I don't know that it would, no? to tell you the truth. I think that I think it helped that I had seen Phantasm One, because I'm really not sure otherwise. I mean, the tall man talking to Reggie would be like, you know, Reggie'd say like, "I want my family and my friends back" or whatever. So the I family guess, thing is so funny. Yeah, I don't really. It doesn't. It's so bizarre. Yeah, I, I, I think I all we can do is let's start with one. We'll jump to five, and if I can fill in gaps, okay. I will. And then I'll do a cruise through and see if I have any lingering points that I, I feel need to be made for the official record. Okay. That's yeah? a good idea. Okay. Yeah. And then this this definitely feels like the kind of thing where I might fill in 
like might be like, oh, I should have said this, and I'll put it on mm-hmm. our Instagram or our TikTok or something like yeah. that throughout the week. Yeah, that works. Yeah. Okay, so here's what the the plot of Phantasm, the original, is like. Like Will said, it came out in 1979. Um, it's like a super low budget movie. Uh, I'm trying. I'm thinking about like the feel of it right now. I do really like a lot of the visuals yeah. in the movie. Like there are a lot of really cool looking things. A lot of the main action takes place in a mausoleum. That's really neat looking. Um, and so I appreciate that. Especially in the mausoleum, it'll be like very white. And then with like splashes of color, which is really fun. And um, it's a tight movie, which I appreciate. Yeah, it's like it's an short. hour and a half long. Mm-hmm. So that's always good. And you um, see, Saturday Night Live took our short movies. Thing. Yes, did. I did see that. And yeah. you know what? They're absolutely right. They clearly obviously. must be watching this. They're program. obviously fans. Yeah. yeah. Hi, Bowen. <laughs> hey. Yeah. Um, I would die. <laughs> but um, but yes. Yeah, so before I even go into it, I will say I actually do recommend Phantasm, the first one. I like Phantasm. Yeah. I like it. I don't love it, but yes. I do like it. Uh-huh. Um, and so I think it's worth a look. It's short enough. There are a lot of, like I said, just cool looking things in it. It's very, it's just bizarre where you're like, what the hell is happening? But in a, a pleasant way. Oh, yeah, I agree. And not what the hell is happening as in what's going on with this plot. It's just like, what is this crazy movie? What am I looking at? Yes. And that's fun. Uh, so the basic thing is, is that there is a brother team named Jody and Mike, and they go to a funeral home because they think that their friend killed himself their friend tommy but we know that he was stabbed by a sexy lady now what did you think of this because this is incredibly bizarre and surreal uh-huh her name the sexy lady she's the lady in lavender yeah and she is another shape of the tall man right so but she'll seduce people mm-hmm. to like lure them in so that the tall man can basically kill them. Yes. So is the tall man celebrating with these victims? Yes, I, th- I think so. And how? why does it need to go so far as full-blown celebration? I don't know. Because I don't know. I, I think that's a great question. It sure seems like once he just gets them alone. That's all you would need. He could just kill them. But he goes to the full extreme of having sex. He clearly enjoys the party. As the lavender, the lady in lavender. Right. He. I don't know. He must be into it. Because you're absolutely right. As long as you got him alone, if your only objective is to kill them, right. mission accomplished. But no, they're like making out and having sex. Is there another level of enjoyment the tall man gets out of all of this by being like, all right, I've lured you in. I had sex with you as a pretty lady. Uh-huh. And in front of your eyes, I will tr- turn back into the tall Maybe. man as you die. Maybe, because that has got to be a mind That's got to be. On another level. A big shockeroo. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, yes, perhaps. And also, spo- by the way. for his personal fun. Correct. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Uh, we should say spoilers for everything. I'm even going to spoil something oh, here, yeah. even though we're talking about the first phantasm. Mm-hmm. You'll see it is going to be nonlinear. I think the only thing to do is just talk about stuff and we'll bounce around. That's fine. It will eventually be confirmed mm-hmm. later in the franchise that the tall man was once just a normal human. Oh. That's in like three and four. Okay. They confirm that he is a guy, a scientist named Jedediah Morningstar. (laughs) Okay. And he created the ability to go between dimensions. 
also know what's Almost going like on a, in that dimension. I have no idea what's going on in the other dimension. Because you no really idea. are just seeing the little people in their hoods. Yes. Just kind of like walking in lines. Yes. This is this. I don't is a, even know what they're doing for no. for the other beings. I have no idea. I don't think we've seen the other beings. Like, what is their job over there? Uh, listen. What is its mission? Uh, we don't have a mission statement. Right. But also, who's to say that this franchise is done, by right. the way? It might. Yeah, totally. Because the most recent movie came out four years ago mm-hmm. and has everybody from the 1979 original right. in it. So even though the man who plays the tall man, Angus Scrim, mm-hmm. has since passed away, I really would not be shocked if it turned out that the creator's... Like Reggie and Don Coscarelli, the creator, director, writer, if they're like, yeah, 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 we made another for fun. And here it is. And they do explain something. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is there is another dimension that the tall man seems to be a god of almost. Yeah. And so he weaponizes these dead bodies. They sh- he sh- he deliberately shrinks them to be this. So he'll do this to your parents. Right. We see this in Phantasm 1. Uh-huh. He takes Jody and Mike's parents and shrinks them to be the size of little people. Yep. To be like three, four feet tall. Right. And then he will bring them to the other world to do something. I don't know. But in Phantasm 3 or 4... We're introduced to Jedediah Morningstar, mm-hmm. who's like a Th- Thomas Edison-esque um, inventor. Yeah. And he has invented the portal that will then bring him to the other side. So it's almost like a, as a, as a human, he was experimenting with dimensional travel. Mm-hmm. He calls it like the fork, the dimensional fork. So he created this thing. Maybe he had it. We don't get enough to know, like, did he have a theory that it was like, I believe there are other worlds and I'll be able to travel to them and I'll become a god and I'll shrink corpses. Like, we don't we don't know what his deal was. He seemed to be a nice man. So I have to assume it's like the pursuit of science drove him mad. Yes. Or is a like careful what you wish for kind of thing. Like, congratulations, Jedediah. You opened that door. But by doing so. You have stripped yourself of your humanity and become a monster. Right. I don't know. But the fact of the matter. It's weird that you don't know. It's insane that they never tell you this. Right. It's insane that they spent Mm -hmm. 40 years making these movies without answering that question. Yeah. Or what he's doing or what he wants. We don't know what he, we know his, his small wants. Right. We know his, like, he wants to kill you. He wants to kidnap you. He wants to make corpses into little minions Mm -hmm. but we don't know why we don't know the big want what is his goal it's also strange that they would go as far as showing you that he was a scientist and everything but then not go all the way with it and explain all these other things a hundred percent if anything they should have just left it be then and he's just a completely mysterious entity who we don't know whether they're human or not Kristen, i could not agree more like why even introduce it then? the reason i even took us on this tangent is because somehow jedediah morningstar inventing his steam-powered dimensional fork thing opens that door and gets to a point in his life where he's like, it's logical for me to transform into a beautiful lady. Right. Seduce these guys so and have sex with them as a lady to kill them. Right. And transform back into myself, an old man. Yes. As they die. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I just don't understand. What the, is his motivation? I don't understand the internal, like, okay, that's what he's doing. But why <laughs> so, is he doing that? That's the deal. What's right. the deal, tall man? 
I think that we can only assume what we've already said is that he enjoys the sex. So there's no reason to have it right. otherwise. And then he enjoys them seeing that he's actually an old man when they're dying instead of a hot lady in lavender. You know what I want? I want Phantasm Six. Mm-hmm. You know, Rise of the Villager or something like that. Yeah. All of them. Five is Ravager because there's a V. So yep. you have to have VI here somewhere. True. Yes. So Rise of the Villager don't get don't, doesn't matter. <laughs> no, Lady in Lavender. <gasps> Yeah, they misspell lavender so that it's V-I for six. Perfect. Lady oh, and lavender. Oh, I didn't even think that. Yes. I forgot. Yeah. And somebody goes, why? Now, why did you do that? And they push in slow on him and he goes, I like it. I like it. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's good enough. Yeah, and you're like, okay. Okay, very well. Honestly, I want to. Question answered. You know? Yeah, whatever. like Walter White. Yeah, exactly. I did it for me. Yes. I liked it. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, so we know that Tommy was killed by the Lady in Lavender, but they think that Tommy must have killed himself. And during the course of the funeral, Mike, who's the younger of this brother team. I don't know why I keep calling brother team. But this <laughs> <laughs> Control F brother team all over your notes. I don't know why. So brother team. Yeah. BT goes investigating. May as well because they, they are doing that a lot. But the brother team is Mike and Jody. The younger one is Mike. Yeah. And at the funeral Mike sees the tall man with Tommy's casket and he picks it up like it weighs nothing oh, and just put yeah, it's totally awesome and puts it in the hearse and Mike is like what the hell? The tall man basically like lifts an entire casket under one arm yeah and it, it, it's it's wonderful like yeah, watching the movie this time to like take notes and do a show i was like this is like classic sort of rear window-esque yeah because he is peeping at everybody the whole time yeah like, and and he's seeing things that he shouldn't see right and trying to fill in the blanks of like what the hell can this possibly mean yeah and it being somebody who works at a morgue, mm-hmm. it's it's all just like it's so it's such a great setup and yeah. such like a fun, like I hate I'm so sorry to use this word. It's like such a good flavor of horror mm-hmm. of like scary guy who works who who runs a funeral home. Yeah, it's classic. It's classic, but I can't point to a million instances of it necessarily. It feels classic it though. Just, like yeah. you're freaked out by funeral homes or whatever. It's just you know? perfect. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. So he sees that and is like, what the hell is this? Then later on we see Jody, so the older brother, meet the lady in lavender at a bar and she's like, Oh, I want to go hook up or whatever. So he's and just like, at a bar having a drink. Yeah. Yeah, you know? and meets Lady in Lavender, who's like, let's go hook up in the cemetery. It'll be exciting, or whatever. So he almost had to lift that casket with one arm to save time so that he could knock off early and go hang yes. out at the bar cruising for for Jody. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Would he have gone with anybody, or did he want Jody? I kind of think he would have gone with anybody. Because it doesn't seem like there's anything, unless there is in the later movies, that's like specific about Jody and Mike that you would really want to go after them. There's something specific about Mike, although it remains unclear to me even now. Okay. Unfortunately, uh-huh. it makes such a big deal out of Mike. Yeah. But um, it not it weird that the tall man's also actively murdering? He mm-hmm. runs a funeral home. He gets their dead bodies weird. all They'll over come the place. In. Why does he need to kill as well? You're absolutely right. And also, I like it. I guess it's just I like it. Yeah. Um. He also he so not only does he like shrink or smush the dead bodies into little people, 
he puts them in barrels and like stockpiles them. Yeah. I also don't understand why he's not just sending them through the fork thing that, you know, the forks to yeah. the other dimension, like all the time. Maybe he needs them to like cure. Pickle. Yeah. It's a pickle. <laughs> Maybe. I've got some pickled minis. <laughs> Can't wait to send them through. Yeah. It, yeah. It must be something like that, but yeah. it's not explained in the first one. Siri, it's- remind me to check on my pickled minis <laughs> before I go traveling about the dimensions. <laughs> yeah, it must be that. Otherwise, why not just shoot them on through constantly? Yeah. There's probably, and, and in barrels, you're right, there's probably liquid. There's probably right. sloshing. There, we see him working on one in, uh-huh. I think, three or four. Again, okay. I don't know the difference between them anymore. Right. So don't also expect precision from me, even right. though I've seen all these. I don't oh, remember where nor they I. begin or stop anymore. Ever. Ever. Yeah. So we see him work on them, but he's like working on one of them on like a, a mortuary slab uh-huh so it's not all wet and juicy <laughs> but he does put him in a barrel which does imply some liquid yeah yeah because why else i don't know yeah <laughs> they have to cure and there's a reanimation process that must happen why do they got to be small i really don't know i mean i was honestly wondering if they have to be small because he knows he's gonna put a whole bunch of them in a room and it's like more space efficient oh is that mm. i mean it is fun visually that he's the tall man and yeah, he's got actually, I thought about that. shorter henchmen right in yeah a sense like that is kind of enjoyable right um he also doesn't seem that that tall to me. He's not. He, right? He's doesn't also he wearing lifts. Like av- oh, really? Angus Scrim, he kind yeah. of just looks like a normal height to me. No, but it's a, it's a, I, it's I'm a totally great fine. spooky name. Exactly. I'm totally fine calling him the tall man, yeah. but I don't find him a particularly tall man. I know. He's not like super thin no. or, or anything. It's I mean, like an average. Thin. He's he's thin, but, yeah, it's, not but like, not it's not like it's not like in a way that emphasizes how tall he is or right. something. Um, but he's got a great way of walking yeah the way he carries himself he's got this long stride mm-hmm. and they love to shoot him in slow motion yeah so it all just like takes on this added weight of drama so like i don't know i i really do again it's this fran this is a franchise that's about the icons mm-hmm. and i i do really like the tall man yeah i do i do too the tall man's good so, yeah, so the Lady Lavender and Jody are hooking up in a cemetery. He's like, isn't this kind of creepy? And she's like, I think it's kind of exciting. Yeah. And for some reason, Mike is following Jody. I don't know. I don't really know why. But he, like, followed him to the bar, and then he's following with the lady. And he's like, whoa, boobs, or yeah. whatever. But I'm like, ew, but it's with your brother. It's with your brother. Yeah, Gross. I know. So he's, like, peeping in the bushes. And then one of the shrunken people in a little like hood and cape kind of like comes by and scares him and so he comes flying out of the bushes like ah and so then jody sees that and it's like mike what the hell so it kind of breaks up the canoodling with the lady in lavender yes so saving jody inadvertently yes basically um lavender balls <laughs> he gives him lavender balls <laughs> Sorry. No, thank you. Okay, uh, while we're while we're on oh, those little God. guys, yeah, they're in, <laughs> they're in little brown robes. Yeah, nineteen seventy like Ewoks. Jawas. Oh, okay, Jawas. Come on. Excuse me. Pissing me off. <laughs> I corrected. <laughs> I corrected you on that so fast. Like I really was. Like, yeah, Kristen Jawas. E- Ewoks. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> like I was. Are you I, kidding I, me? <laughs> are you serious with this? <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> the Jawas in Star Wars 
would have first been seen in 77. Mm-hmm. And then we've got now these creatures, which are identical. They look just like them. And th- there's like... They like make a little sound, they too, do. like them. There's like an explanation where they're like, we didn't know. Well, I swear to God, we didn't know. But like, there's a lot of it's theorizing. Starbucks. People are like, yeah, we think you knew. Well, Not that it matters. Is- Who cares? doesn't really but star wars is so humongous it seems hard to not know especially I if know. you're in the movie industry but and yeah. the jawas were kind of a big deal or no i guess the ewoks were because people like hated the ewoks that's what i'm thinking of. true yeah but another big thing about one and five specifically why i think they're really good bookends they each took like years to make uh-huh. they would yeah. like from a production standpoint they would film on weekends with whatever time they had right like you when you watch one you're almost watching those characters age mm-hmm. a ton and they shot so much material that didn't end up making the finished movie yeah because this was like a micro budget film yes don coscarelli used funds from his father his mother did special effects and he was 22 years old it's incredible mm-hmm. it is like an achievement in a half oh yeah i'm 35 i have not made a movie and i have an iphone mm-hmm. like don coscarelli having a film camera right. back in 70 probably like 76 to 79 making this thing it's like it and being 22 mm-hmm. is mind-blowing yeah um but uh as a result you do go like he probably did see bits and pieces of star wars yeah you know what i mean and like when i'm 22 do i care or am i like that's a cool image and right. I want I want little like minions like that to yeah. whatever. I completely think that that's possible. Yeah. So after that, Mike decides to go to the funeral home slash mausoleum to investigate and see what's up. And he sees the caretaker of the funeral home get killed by that thing that we were talking about before, that silver ball. Yeah. So it, the, it's showing like the long hallway of the mausoleum and the silver ball comes flying down. It's the first thing you've seen like this and lodges in the dude's head, drills into his skull and starts shooting blood everywhere. That's great. So it's really sweet. So Mike is like, Whoa. <laughs> and like keeps running and starts getting chased by the tall man because he sees him and he's like oh get out of here yeah yeah and mike is able to sort of escape from him um until he like how does he how does this end up happening he is running away from the tall man the tall man's reaching for him mike closes his door his hand in a door and then wait does he chop his fingers off he does. The tall- yeah that's what i was thinking so he chops the tall man's fingers off to get him to go away and they just start spurting the most disgusting like yellow goo yeah it's not red blood at all obviously but it's not even like yellow blood it's like this like i don't know thick grainy yeah. <laughs> looking stuff it's like a like a poorly mixed yellow paint yeah, kind yeah. of. Or like if you were making mustard at home or something. <laughs> we can all relate to this. <laughs> you know, there's like mustard. Sounds like a euphemism. <laughs> making mustard. <laughs> Occupado. Like, <laughs> Somebody's in here. Um, <laughs> you know, there's mustard powder. Timmy's making mustard in there. Mom, Timmy's been making mustard in there for like half an hour. Uh, wrap it up tim (laughs) (laughs) all right tim come on all right bud (coughs) excuse me okay 
It looks disgusting. Yeah, this it does. yellow yeah, stuff. Right. So naturally, Mike picks up one of the fingers and puts it in a little box to bring home to show Jody. To be so like, awesome. what the hell is this? Like something's going on. As proof. Yes, absolutely. So um so <laughs> he shows it to, to Jody <sighs> and they're going to bring it to the uh to the sheriff, but before they can, it turns into like a flying bug. And starts harassing all of them. I think it's awesome. Yeah, it's crazy. It, it's but it, and it's so bug nuts, like a mm-hmm. severed finger turning into a flying, I don't know, like a little bat monster yeah. thing. It's, it's it's just something I've never seen before. You know, like yes. it really is. It smacks of like real, like arcane, dark, magicy. Yeah, the Alan Moore Swamp Thing comic books. I don't mm-hmm. think we've really did we talk about this on our old show. Uh, we didn't actually read them, but we've we talked them? about them before. So, like, they they get into like really like like bizarre, bizarre dark magic. I remember there was a like an issue of the Alan Moore uh, Swamp thing where like a punk rock girl is attacked or something, and her head gets chopped off, and then it's like a page and a half of you just watch the severed head like roll, like roll and reshape, and it turns into a crow. Oh wow! And flies off, and I'm like, "What? What is this? Yeah, this is not rooted in any folklore I'm aware of. I have no idea. We just have to accept that this is what a fact. Is this? this happened. I don't know what's going on. Right. And Phantasm is like that. We just go like, "All right, his fingers a bug. Yeah, it's absolutely Whatever. like that. Yeah, like every just all bets are off. Everything is weird. And, and I really I want to celebrate that level of what is happening. Yeah. Creativity. Oh yeah, totally. It's it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, and this is also where Reggie comes in, who ends up being like the protagonist for the rest of the movies. It sounds ends like ends up being a big deal. He really is like a side character. He's he's just Jody's friend. Yeah, but he like comes over and witnesses the finger bug attacking everybody, yeah. and now he's kind of in the mix. So um, Jody heads to the cemetery to kind of I don't know retrace their steps, see what's up, and there's a small small hooded figures again start chasing him away. And then he is like chased by a driverless hearse. He's yeah. like walking or running on the road. And then the hearse comes by and is like, like trying to get him. And they're like, there's no driver. But it's actually one of the shrunken little people. And it turns out that it is um, their friend Tommy who died, whose funeral they went to to kind of kick all this off. And he is now shrunken and reanimated. Which another incredible sort of like what (laughs) is going on. Like Tommy was of average height, Mm -hmm. but now this hooded figure who's been chasing us, who we can tell is like four feet tall, is Tommy. Yes. What is going on? It is is so strange. absolutely bizarre. I think, I think that I have in my notes. For one, I wrote about that area. I just wrote down, Reggie wants to stomp the shit out of the tall man. Uh, did he say that? I want to stomp the shit out of him? I don't know. Maybe. It doesn't feel like just something I no, would say. No, it doesn't. So he must have. He must have said that. And then I wrote, Reggie is attacked or something. <laughs> like, I can't tell. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea what I'm looking at it's, at this it's, point. It's unclear what yeah. happens. But so at that point, Mike... Um, is like driving Jody's car, even though he's like 10 years old, and saves Jody. And, you know, they go off together or whatever. So Jody's like, okay, you're right. There's some like really crazy stuff going on. I've now seen it firsthand. You need to just kind of like bunk up, 
with my two girlfriends who like work at her own an antique store. I know, Sally and Susie. Right. And like me and Reggie, you're going to go take care of business, but you're too young. You really shouldn't be exposed to this. And Mike's like, no, I want to. But is at the store with the girls. And at the store, he sees a picture of the tall man at the antique store and is like, what the hell? I need to like make sure that Jody knows about this. Like this guy's been around for a long time. And so he convinces the girls with it. It takes very little pushing, even though Jody was like, I need you to take care of my brother. He stays here. Mike is like, we need to go see Jody. And they're like, okay. Yeah. And so they just take him. Everyone takes everything in stride. When he sees that picture of the tall man, it's a photograph in a book that then comes to life. Oh, like he's right. looking at it in the book and it becomes motion like a Harry Potter newspaper. That's right. And like it's it's the tall man sitting on a horse and buggy hearse. Mm-hmm. So you know that he's from like, you know, back the, in the day, the 1800s at least. Right. And it's just it's it's baffling. But his reaction to seeing this moving photo is just to be like, huh. <laughs> So he's been around for a while. Mm-hmm. Like everybody, when confronted, when confronted with facts that shatter the world, like yeah, everything you thought was new, true, everyone's just kind of like, huh? Like everyone's so laid back. I've never yeah. seen anything like it. Yeah, it's very weird. So the gals take him over to um, to see Jody, and when they're on the way, they see Reggie's overturned ice cream truck, because right. Re- Reggie's an ice cream man, and so they're like, no, Reggie! So they pull over, and then some of the little hooded figures come out and start attacking the girls, Sally and Susie, too. So now you're like, oh, man, they got Reggie already. They got everybody. Now they got everybody. It's really just Mike and Jody out here on their own. Um, they're like all presumed dead. Dead. So Mike gets home, and Jody is like, "Just stay here. Like you keep escaping. <clears throat> when I try to keep you safe, stay here." And locks him in his room. But Mike is able to escape, and when he comes out, and Jody's like, "I'm going to get the tall man. I'm going to the mausoleum. You I'm gonna stay stop here." This. And when Mike makes it out of his room, the tall man is there in their home, not where Jody is going to get them. And the tall man kidnaps Mike and drives him away in his hearse. Um, But Mike goes like berserker and gets him to crash the hearse. And then he escapes. Mike is wily. Mike, yeah, he really is. You stick him with the ladies, he is out of there. He's out, yeah. You stick him in his room, he's out of there. You stick him in the hearse, he's out of there. And that, that you're, you're right that that's like sort of the structure of the movie almost, of, of like Jody being like, no, yeah. you go here. Right. And then he doesn't stay there. No. Like, it's a little repetitive almost. It is, yeah. yes. Um, so, oh my God. I don't know if I was in a funny mood or if this is a <laughs> um, typo. I wrote, Jody's at the Mazo. The Mazo. <laughs> oh God. I can't. I don't know. I might have been feeling silly. Cool, Chrissy. I guess I was feeling silly because I'm writing brother team all over the place. Yeah, exactly. Whatever. Um, Okay, so Jody's at the Mazo, and Reggie and Mike catch up with him somehow. I don't know how. And that's when they find the room that we were talking about. So there's this door with like a weird sculpture thing above it. Yeah, like all faces, right? Right. So they're like, well, let's investigate in there. And that's where they see the room where there are tons of black barrels like stacked up. probably i don't know a couple dozen of them and then the thing that they call the fork which is like two metal poles i guess you would say and then if you were to cross through the poles then you're going to the land where all of those like little guys are enslaved yes um so they see that and they're like oh boy 
Then there's a power surge and the three of them get separated and Reggie is almost sucked into the portal. So like basically like a wind starts blowing in the room. Yeah, he touches both of the fork things, Mm -hmm. these two metal poles. He puts his hands on top of both of them and that seems to create some sort of a a vacuum or something. Barrels are now getting sucked through the portal. Right. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 weird. So he's you know he's trying to like fight against that like uh, uh, on the ground, you know, trying to get away. Um, and then he is stabbed by the lady in lavender. Yeah. Uh, the tall man transforms again just for his pleasure. Reggie on camera is stabbed in the tummy mm-hmm. to death by the lady in lavender, right. who then transforms back into the tall man. Right. But like there is no purpose for the tall man. So again, I think sometimes he just enjoys that he, form. I guess so. So whatever. But sure. it's just weird because before it was like, I'm doing this to get these dudes. Yeah. Right then, you would think that his, his priority wouldn't be on doing something that's just like, I don't know. Yeah, just it, it's being not there. necessary. So I've heard that this is all something that happened in editing. Okay. Like the lady in lavender was supposed to be a separate person who sort of works for the tall man. Oh, okay. But then when they were compiling the movie, then. they were like, let's let's abbreviate this mm-hmm. and we'll insert a shot that indicates visually she's the lady in lavender and then he's the tall man. Right. That's it. I guess this might have been around the time where like there's like you know this the scary cross dresser sort of thing i know but i don't i don't really get that no but i wonder if that has anything to do with the choice to make them the same person oh maybe because you don't don't get they they don't broadcast that sort of vibe where it's like this guy is scary because sometimes he's a woman true or whatever yeah but i just wonder if that has anything to do with the decision to have them be the same person rather than two yeah like it's supposed to be more um scary in some way or something i don't yeah, know true um so jody and mike are able to get out of the mausoleum and they devise this very looney tunes plan to get the tall man where they're like um well we can get him to fall down this like i don't know shaft like yeah hole in like the a ground. hole <laughs> yeah so you know my like jody is standing by with like a bunch of rocks to put on him and mike's like can't catch me and he's like running so that the tall man will run not knowing that there's a hole there and just fall into the ground right which is what happens it works it works and then jody like you know puts a ton of rocks on him and so we're like oh, okay great the tall man is dispatched but then Mike wakes up at home. So this is what we were talking about before. There's a lot of like dreamland versus what's real and whatever. So he wakes up at home and Reggie tells him that Jody died in a car accident and that he'll take care of him now because also Reggie, excuse me, uh, Jody and Mike's parents had passed away. So now and Mike so, is on his own. Right. But he's not because now Reggie will be his papa. Suddenly Reggie, who we just saw die, is Reggie alive. Reggie is Papa. And Jody, who we just saw live, has died. Right. And none of this has happened. He's just saying, Reggie's like, oh, the world is normal. Yes. There, there is no, no tall man. man. There's nothing scary, but your brother has your died. Your brother is dead, and I'm alive. He even says this line. I wrote it down. Mm-hmm. He wrote, I know I can't ever take Jody's place, but I'm sure as heck going to try. Mm-hmm. Which I don't think is really the thing that people want to say. It's not yeah. you're going to take his place, and that's a good... It's like, I no. I can't ever take his place, but I'm going to try to live up to yeah, who I'll you need me to be. Take not, care of you. Not I'll swap in. Like, what he says basically is I'll like... I'll tag in. It'll be just as good. Yeah. 
I'll, I'll give it my best shot. Yeah. Um, and he's like, and you know what? Let's go on a little road trip, pal. So right. whatever. So Mike goes upstairs to pack. And then the tall man appears and yeah. there, crashes through the mirror and grabs Mike. And then the movie's over. And that is exactly the ending of A Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh. A few years later where Nancy has defeated uh, Freddy by mm-hmm. being like, I'm not afraid of you, owning up to the fear. This movie is also about sort of like overcoming your fear. Mm-hmm. And then there's a sudden jump scare at the end where it's, uh-uh. This movie's Freddy- about overcoming your fear, you feel? Yeah, I think so. In what way? He there's that there's a trippy scene that we didn't even get into because it's just too bizarre. But he like visits an old lady. Oh God, yeah. And she has him put his hand into a box, oh, and there's right. fear in that. That's right. I forgot yeah, it's, about it's that. very trippy. It's I think this is a yeah. movie sort of. Yes. No, you're totally right. I completely forgot about that. So the yeah, this old lady is like, put your hand into this box. And he does it, and I guess it seems like it's like grabbing him or hurting her him or something like that. And then she's like. I'm paraphrasing, but she's basically like, let go of the fear or something. Uh And when he does that, like anything that's grabbing his hand in there is released and he can take out his hand out fine. And something similar happens when they go into that weird room and they see the forks with the other dimension. I think he puts his hand through because he doesn't know what it is yet. And am I remembering right? And he's like kind of sucked in. And then he kind of hears that woman's voice in his head, like let go of the fear. And he does. And he's able to back out. Yes. So it, it, and I've heard all of that is ripped off from Dune. Which okay. I have never read or seen. Me neither. The David Lynch one or the new one. Same. Um, but almost like verbatim taken. Mm-hmm. But so this movie is then about sort of like overcoming your fear, getting mastery of your emotions to survive something. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like A Nightmare on Elm Street, which admittedly came later, it really ends with the revival of the villain who then rips a person through something. In the yeah. original Nightmare on Elm Street, it's Nancy's mom through a teeny tiny window in the front door and it looks like an embarrassing puppet being dragged through a wall. Uh-huh. In this movie, it is Mike through the mirror. Yeah. And in the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, it's Connie Britton through a mirror. Ah. And, and I'm like, this is not where the comparisons to A Nightmare on Elm Street necessarily begin and it's definitely not where they end. Mm-hmm. But this sort of like trippy, is it real, is it not real thing is just a constant. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I looked up some reviews at the time. It, I mean, this has a lot of good reviews now. It has, you know, a good score on Rotten Tomatoes and stuff. I want to see what Roger Ebert had to say about it. Oh, nice. It's always fun to see his horror reviews. Yeah. And it was a pretty short review. He did not like it. Unsurprisingly, he get 1.5 stars, mm. but he had some nice things to say about it. He was like, it's creative. It's impressive that it was made like we we're talking about with the budget that it had and yeah. then the time amount and with the director being 22. Um, I thought there were a couple of funny things that he said in here. He uh, he says there's the tall man who likes who makes John Carradine look plump. What? I guess John Carradine is a famously skinny person. Makes John Carradine look plump. And of the orbs, he says technology comes to vampirism or the Cuisinart lobotomy. Oh my god. <laughs> you know? Oh my god. Cuisinarts were probably like brand new. Totally. <clears throat> yeah. You know. Yep. Um, I, I took down some notes of analysis. This is from Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Film scholar John Kenneth Muir describes the tall man as embodying childhood fears of adults and states that the tall man wins in the end because dreams are the only place where death can be defeated. Um, and then Don Coscarelli had this to say, and I, I love this. So mm-hmm. the, the director or the writer. I had a compunction to try and do something in the horror genre, and I started thinking about how our culture handles death. 
It's different than in other societies. We have this central figure of a mortician. He dresses in dark clothing, and he lurks behind doors, and they do procedures on the bodies we don't know about. The whole embalming thing, if you ever do any research on it, is pretty freaky. It all culminates in this grand funerary service production. It's strange stuff. It just seemed like it would be a great area in which to make a film. Absolutely. I, I, I love that. Especially yeah. like a kid's mentality of, of these things. Like the language he uses here is like pretty simple. He does, they do procedures on the bodies we don't know about. Mm -hmm. The older you get, the more you sort of have some understanding of what's yeah. going on. But as a kid, you might just be like, what the hell's going on back there? Yeah, they take the bodies and do something. And then like grandpa looks weird. And so from a child's perspective, not understanding yeah. in and of itself is a fear. Um, and so he created something that we can't possibly wrap our heads around anyway. Right. So it, it's the not knowing yeah. that I think makes Phantasm really stand out. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I've said about like franchises before, like Saw, where I'm like, reboot this and make these elements work together. Mm -hmm. The pig mask, the <laughs> missing know. piece of yourself, like the puppet, these all feel like these could be MOs of three different killers. Absolutely. Streamline. With Phantasm, arguably you could make the same point mm -hmm. and be like, do this again, figure out the reason why this all gels and works together or something like that. But I almost want to be like, no. I feel that I, I feel that way that no, it's yeah. just you could, but no, it's just so weird. It, it, it it's it's wonderful in its weirdness. Exactly, that's I, part of what's cool about. I it. I like not understanding. Right. the The problem with the sequels is that you can only play the you'll never understand game mm -hmm. for so long yeah. before you just go. Well, then why am I here? Uh huh. Yeah. If we're gonna do this for what is that, like six hours. Right. Like, why do I need that right. then? D tell me I'll never understand, and that's the beginning and end of it. Right. Um, so what, what what happens? What happens? What's so going on? I'll, I'll, I'll make the story as short as I possibly can. You can even just... I'm almost imagining you just summarizing, not beat by beat, but like, what happens with all the rest of these? I know I'm supposed to cover five, right. and I can chime in, but yeah. like, what the hell's going on after this? Well, I'll tell you Yeah. in just a minute. Great. Um, go to patreon.com slash gttupod. Mm -hmm. That'd be awesome. Look up the tiers. Yeah. You get the deal. Got all kinds of stuff there. It's yeah. awesome. And it supports the show. It helps keep the show going. Super dope. And it's super dope. Yeah. Yeah. Most recent things about the Easter Bunny, we watched clips of the Easter Bunny mm -hmm. as a horror movie. <laughs> That's right. And it was wildly enjoyable. Yeah, it was a That's really good one, actually. right this second. Go there, sign up, check it out. Mm -hmm. um, uh We'd love that. We'd love Patreon. that. Patreon.com slash GTTUpod. And thank you so much, existing patrons. You all rule. Okay. Wonderful. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. That was the that alarm. Was the, was that was the to alarm say. to say, stop talking about Patreon. That's exactly what I was going right. to say. So let's talk, let's talk about two, three, and four. Mm -hmm. So two, three, and four, as much as we've talked about Reggie being the main character, and that's true. Yeah. It's it's a some it's a, a loosely gradual process. Mike is really set up to be like the hero the of the franchise, and the sequels seem to really try to make a case for like the tall man and Mike being like true nemeses uh -huh. for each other. Mike has something that the tall man specifically wants. Oh, you know what is that? It's unexplained in the extreme. Great. By the time that we get to, I think it's the end of three, um, we find out the following. 
those silver balls mm -hmm. have brains in them. Okay, this was a question of mine because, okay. yeah, like they're somehow referred, I think they're referred to as sentinels, right? Yes, often. So, I, so I, yeah, like, like they're like his little agents or something, but they didn't really put a fine point on it in the fifth one. So I was like, they're not just, I don't know, tools of his that he's somehow throwing in some they're not pure technology <laughs> they have a, a miniature brain in them so what he does he takes the corpses mm -hmm. he shrinks them he takes the brain out of them and puts them in a silver ball oh, oh. the body itself does not have a brain oh. it functions on instinct in some sort they make a claim uh-huh um and the brain is in the sentinel so uh, what we see by the time the third one ends, the tall man has a giant gold orb in his head. Oh. Yeah. And okay. it, can, it can bash through the front of his face and fly out. It's really cool looking. Like the, what? They keep defeating. And for what purpose? Is that like the head To survive. They may kill his body, but the gold orb in the tall man's head seems like it can fly out and go into another tall man body. And it can live on. There are like thousands of tall men. He is. Oh, okay. He is like a many beings entity. Okay. He exists in countless dimensions. Okay. He is said to have conquered mm -hmm. countless dimensions. Dimensions. <laughs> uh, dimensions. And so he is almost like eternal oh. because of this golden ball, I think. Okay. Um, there are literally moments where, and they, they do this in all the sequels that I really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. They will, they do the saw thing of like, um, revisiting the prior movie mm -hmm. and and like with great effort recreating the circumstances that the previous movie ended on. I do like that a lot. I love that. Yeah, I think it's so, really fun. I think it's at the end of like three. I, I have no idea anymore. Like I said, it's, it like, whatever. They they blow up the tall man. They okay. explode him. And then another tall man steps out of a portal right beside it, picks up the other tall man's corpse, and throws it through the portal. <laughs> like, immediately. So, right. like, the second that they defeated one tall man at the end of one movie, mm -hmm. the next tall man stepped out and becomes the villain of the subsequent sequel. Huh, but he's okay. all the same guy. Right, because he always has the same gold ball in his head, right? Presumably. Yeah. They, don't, they don't make that incredibly clear, but that does seem to be the case. It's okay. all the gold ball that's in his head. Uh -huh. Anyway, at the end of three... Um, Tall man starts talking to Mike and being like, I'll, I'll save you from your flesh prison and you'll remember the things you've forgotten. So there's an implication here of being like. Like he, you're from my land. Yeah. And then he reaches into Mike's head and pulls out a silver ball. Oh, okay. But Mike survives without the silver ball. Oh, wow. I don't. I have no idea. Anyway. Anyway, that's like the, the grand the grand battle between the two of them is some sort of ownership over Mike okay. and some hinting that he is important to the tall man for something. And maybe they have a history together that we don't know. Right. Maybe Mike's not even real. Right. You know what I mean? Like maybe Mike is a constructed form uh -huh. for some purpose. I don't know. It's never explained. It's never delved into. It could be interesting, uh -huh. but they never do anything with it. Yeah. Instead, here's, here's some crazy stuff. Phantasm 2 comes out in 1988 mm -hmm. so it's been away for yeah, nine time. years it, mike is played by a different actor in this movie mm -hmm. and this movie only otherwise oh, it is the same original mike for every other sequel but we're 
it's explained that Mike has been in a psychiatric facility all this time. Reggie is his caretaker. Okay. Mike is finally released from the psychiatric facility and Reggie's like, it's going to be great. I can't wait to wait to get you home. Uh, my family's there, my wife and my little daughter, they're, they're going to love you. And as they drive up to the house, it explodes. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, All right. So that's why Reggie keeps asking for his family back in the fifth one. But in the fifth one, in the fifth one, the tall man goes, I can give you your family back. Right, your wife and your daughter. He will not give back Mike. He goes, I can give them back to as good as new. And Reggie says, I don't want your tricks. I wouldn't want the, the versions of them you'd give to me. I want my friends back. And so it really makes a case of like, Reggie's family has yeah. never been a character in the in this uh-huh. movie. I couldn't believe it. I, I had to rewind when he's like, yeah, my daughter's going to no love thanks. you. And the house explodes. I was like, is that re- really? Like they did, because they didn't even cast performers no for this. They just have it on paper. Right. He has a family. Really? Now he doesn't. Spoiler alert. That family is like not even mentioned ever again until Except the fifth five, one. Yeah. And he says, no, thank you. When the filmmakers remember yeah. that- Reggie's beef with the the tall man, his big beef, is not just that the tall man keeps stealing his friend. It's that right. he murdered his family. Right. It's so messy. Yeah. Messy, 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 messy. Messy boy. Yeah. So anyway, uh, they go on a road trip. Most of the middle sequels are about road trips. Mm-hmm. Um, they're always driving somewhere and encountering weirdos along the way mm-hmm. um but i did like this where does the barracuda come in is this early on or later yeah definitely so, the the barracuda is a character in the fifth one yes so um certainly in the first jody drives that thing mm-hmm. that car oh in oh, the first movie okay. and people really latched onto it as mm-hmm. like an icon yeah and so at some point the filmmakers realized well like some of what people seem to like about our movie is the car we had. Right. We should probably make that a really, really big deal. Okay. And so they do. Jody or uh, Reggie is constantly, you know, like wiping it with a diaper and stuff. Yeah, right. So um, at some point, it's revealed that Mike and a, a lady out there have a psychic connection. So they're trying to find Lady. Mm-hmm. I don't remember her name. She's, okay. Spoiler alert. She doesn't amount to anything. A hell of beans. In this. Yeah, not at all. Yeah. She's just sort of killed. Okay. Um, but they end up finding her in the basement of a, a mausoleum or of a funeral home. And, uh, he walks up to her and a disgusting animatronic worm. She's like crouched in the corner uh-huh. and it, a, a tall man worm pops out of her spine and turns and looks at Mike and goes, you play a good game, boy. Come east if you dare. Come east. Come east. And I wrote down, there's like fairy tales. Yeah. Travel east? Yeah, what does that mean? And it turns out that that was an apparition. Oh. That wasn't really her. Oh, okay. But the animatronic 100% looks like something from a Freddy movie. 100%. It's like a little tall man face on a disgusting worm. Yeah, I have seen, actually, I've seen that image before. That is like burrowed in her back. It is Mm -hmm. bizarre. Yeah. Absolutely bizarre. Um, there's an iconic line in this movie where tall man, I kept just trying to write down like the rules of the tall man. Mm -hmm. They change all the time. Yeah. Um, but he has great lines in this movie. He goes, you think that when you die, you go to heaven, you come to us. That's sweet. 
And that's a great line. Yeah. Have that's no totally idea is. what it means. But right. the implication, but it sounds really cool. There is no heaven. There is no hell. Mm-hmm. It is actually all this. the tall man. Yeah. Either because you go to the tall man's realm as a spirit or because he takes your body and turns you into a little slave of his and takes your brain right. and puts it in one of his sentinel balls for his own use. And or maybe whatever. he's not the only one. Maybe he's not the only one, but maybe he's also using... Uh, maybe there is no I mm-hmm. with the tall man. Right. What I want to do. It's what we want to do. I am the tall man and we are many. Yeah, right. You know, there are thousands of him. Right. Um, there is a straight up Evil Dead 2 shot in this movie where one of those silver balls is flying after somebody and punching through door after door after door and it's all shot <laughs> like a sounds, point of view. Yeah. So like Sam Raimi was like you know, notable for his like pretty gorilla and, and grungy filming style and just like putting his actors through hell. Mm-hmm. And so I straight up think that Don Coscarelli basically took one of his filming techniques for this movie. Yeah. And there is another reference deliberately to Sam Raimi in this film where I'm like, I bet they were friends. Mm-hmm. And I bet Maybe. Don Coscarelli was like toying with style <clears throat> and wanted to do an Evil Dead 2 shot as an homage. Yeah. But it almost serves to sort of underscore again how intrinsically tied this movie's motives are Mm -hmm. to a franchise that did it better. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, Reggie uh, does a a chainsaw duel with a guy at one point that is kind of cool and a little Evil Dead-ish. He's doing his own stunts, which I think is a big deal. Yes. Bruce Campbell was known for doing his own stunts, and Reggie will continue to do his own stunts the entire time, basically. So you got to give him props for that, even if he doesn't do like Pratt Falls or have the comedy chops or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And they do... uh, they, They have a big montage when Reggie... Reggie's sold in now. His house has exploded. His family's gone. Fine, I'll help you find the tall man. Yeah. They go and they raid a store for weapons. So they get like a ton of bullets. Mm-hmm. And they make their own weapons. Reggie builds a double-double barrel shotgun. Okay. A quad barrel shotgun. Four barrels on this big, crazy-looking shotgun. Yeah. He fires it once by the end of the movie and throws the gun away. Weird. Yeah. Huh, okay. In the sequels, he has it. <laughs> Because I think they realized, oh, that was kind of cool. Yeah, People right. liked that and we did nothing with it. All right, bring it back. Right. Bring it back now. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, the way they stop the tall man in this movie is that they put hydrochloric acid into embalming fluid. Uh-huh. And then they stab that into the tall man. Oh, okay. It is disgusting and awesome. His eyeballs pop out of his face. Uh-huh. He is melting. It is like a gore special effects... And this is not usually the thing that I'm all about or anything, but mm-hmm. I was just like, it was cool yeah. looking. Like, it was just like a feat of, of creativity to yeah. to pull off. Um, and then, uh, what what's happening here? What did I write <laughs> I mean, down hard, here? Hard to say. Michael insists this is all a dream for some reason. Oh. I mean, because it, it always is. They teamed up with somebody with a woman named Alchemy. And Reggie did the do with her mm-hmm. at about like the halfway mark of the movie. At the end of the movie, it turns out she was the tall man. Oh, okay. See? So Reggie got tall manned. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the movie ends. <laughs> <laughs> Reggie is sort of like attacked and thrown to the side. And Weird. I have no idea. Fan- By the fifth, he's the, the hero. He's the hero. Phantasm Three: Lord of the Dead is in 1994. It begins with a flashback to both one and two. With a ton of voiceover, and it feels like Terminator 2. Uh-huh. Now it's like Reggie being like, we can never trust the things that we see. 
is constantly trying to come and get us. <laughs> and it feels like, you know, like like what Sarah Connor would say, all this voiceover uh-huh. stuff. Yeah. And trying to use voiceover to explain everything. Right. But like Rather being, than have like clunky dialogue that right. explains the stuff. Like, we'll just be super overt about it and just say it. Just say what it's supposed yeah. to be. But even by them writing it down mm-hmm. and saying it to the audience, it's still not super clear. Right. They're like, we constantly have to find him and he's constantly after us. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like oh, okay. which, which is it? You know, like, I can't tell what's going on. What does that mean? Um, <clears throat> it's a little bit more comedic. Reggie like will point the uh, the double double barrel shotgun over his shoulder and act nonchalant uh-huh. as somebody starts to like crawl toward him on top of a like in a tree or something. Then he'll pull the trigger and yeah. shoot him out of the tree. He knew the whole time. Yeah. So it's a little more like like Tongue silly. And cheek. Yeah. Um, Reggie considers blowing himself and Michael up to prevent the tall man from taking Michael. Okay. So he's like, "I'll kill us both." Yeah. So that you can't take Michael, and the tall man goes. Fine, then I'll wait until I come back. Take good care of him, Reggie. What? And leaves. So the tall man wants Mike, but like it's weird that the whole setup here is that like, yeah, now Reggie is even more important and he is meant he is like meant to be watching over Mike. Yeah, so right. So that nothing bad can befall him from the tall man, which is weird. Weird. So um, it's just like a lot of near misses with the tall man, as you would think. Oh, a thousand basically. near misses with the tall man. A thousand. Yeah. Jody is back in this movie. Okay. He is a spirit <clears throat> that can present himself physically. There, he can be like, yeah, because Jody's in the fifth one. He is. He's uh-huh. he's a silver ball. Mm-hmm. This is where we start to get the idea that the silver balls yeah. might be people in a way, but he's the only human that we see who can like become a silver ball and back and then again. Th- wow. Um, and wow. again, everybody has zero reaction to what's going on. At one point, Reggie sees Jody and goes, this is a line. I wrote this down. It's in quotes. He goes, Jody, what are you doing here? You're dead. <laughs> so like the first time that he's seen him. Right. And he, and his friend's been dead forever. It's somewhat par for the course. But that is dream logic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he if anybody's. accept things. Yeah. If anybody's like lost a loved one, you might have the dream. Mm-hmm where they show up at your house. Right. And you go, but how are you here? Yeah. It's just weird to see it in a movie it is. where you don't know if it's meant to, is this literally supposed to be? I don't know. Yeah, anyway. certainly. Um, they end up finding out that there are these uh, abandoned towns. Mm-hmm. The tall man is almost said to be going from like place to place to place to place, emptying the graveyards, killing people, and amassing an army. Right. And yet, they're like, no one would ever believe us. Well, I mean, if there are enough things, they they probably will. You'd think that this would be all over the news already. By the fifth one, like, people believe, you know? Like, we're living under a tall man regime by the end of this franchise. That is very, very true. Yeah. Um, They find a house with graves out front in the front yard with, like, you know, rudimentary sticks making crosses. Uh Turns out that there's a little kid living in that house alone. He's one of the sole survivors of this town, and he's rigged the house with booby traps, just like Home Alone. I would say. But these booby traps kill you. So, like, every single booby trap is to kill a person. He he calls them something. He gives them a name. They're scavengers or something like that. Mm -hmm. So he kills anybody that comes to mess with him, this kid, which is Kind of neat. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Um, Mike is taken away by the tall man. Um, Reggie teams up with this little kid, Tim. Mm -hmm. They meet a woman named Rocky. And now the three of them are sort of like a little unit trying to find Mike. Um, 
at one point Reggie is trying to be a skivo. He makes Tim sleep in the car. He gets one hotel room with one bed for him and Rocky. Oh, come on. And he tries to make a move on her. So finally she like relents, annoyed, and uh, she puts handcuffs on him. And, and leaves like, him. Oh, okay. And then leaves him so she can get some sleep. Nice. Kinda, Good move, Rocky. I kind of like. Yeah. Um, so now we've, we're redefining some of the lore here. The tall man has those little people. They work for him in the other world and they can do some like scavengery stuff here. But he's also got zombie, regular sized, average sized humans called grave diggers mm-hmm. because he needs somebody that is fully able-bodied to dig up the corpses for him. Uh-huh. So he does have like sort of like evil deadish zombie people. Right. Some of the people who attacked that little kid, Tim, recur in this movie constantly. You can never stop them. They'll pop up again, even with like bullet wounds in their faces and stuff to get Reggie. Mm-hmm. They now work for the tall man. Okay. Um, I, I wrote zero idea what's happening. Zero. It's all. I mean, uh, zero. I wrote. It's all meandering, and then Jody's ghost goes into Reggie's dreams, where Reggie is doing it with Rocky. They save Mike within a dream, and then it happens in real life. Yeah, I remember this now. (laughs) So they save they save Mike in a dream. When they wake up, he's there with them. Oh, okay. Okay, that worked. Yeah, I guess so. Whatever. Um, uh, the tall man reaches through a portal. And they close the portal and it chops the man's hands off. The tall man's hands run around like an evil dead too. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the three ravagers, that's what they're called, come back as laughing zombies. They do an awesome hearse flip. They flip a hearse like in a big car stunt. Yeah. They flip this thing like 15 times and it's unbelievable looking. They decide all of a sudden in this movie that the tall man's weakness is cold. They do a flashback yes. to the first movie where he was walking past <laughs> Reggie's ice cream truck and has some <laughs> sort of reaction yeah right and so they just like latch on to it in that movie we couldn't tell if he liked it if he was like yum yum ice cream yeah or was like, like oh, boomy cold. cold and they decided to go me. with boomy cold correct so here they use cryogenics to kill the tall man they decide that he's been creating an army to conquer worlds mm-hmm. um uh zombie lady tries to sneakily seduce reggie okay <laughs> i don't know whatever <laughs> um Tall man will free Michael from his flesh prison. Uh, Jody says a line that I think is is like the thesis of this series. Mm-hmm. They like can't believe what's going on with Michael, who's got an orb in his head. By the end of this movie, he's got like orbs, orbs for eyes, which oh, is kind of trippy. Cool. And uh, Jody, trying to explain this, goes, seeing is easy. Understanding takes a little more time. Yeah, well, we've invested like a lot of time. You know, a lot of time in this. To that end, let's. Let, I think we should probably speed through the rest of this. Oh God, we gotta partially for time for the podcast, but also for you. Yes. Okay. Phantasm for Oblivion. <clears throat> well, the tall man pops up at the end of that one. And goes, it's never over. All right, <laughs> Clearly, anyway. Phantasm for Oblivion, nineteen ninety eight. I wrote down boring. This is the worst one, in my opinion. They have a ton of unused footage from Phantasm 1. Their goal is to use that and construct a movie around doing flashbacks. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, there's a lady who uh, Reggie tries to sleep with, and in the morning, uh, her boobs are replaced with silver balls. (laughs) That's kind of awesome. It is explained that tuning forks can destroy orbs. So Reggie can tap a tuning fork, and the sound vibrations will burst an orb. 
never used again. Here's where we get stupid. They should all have tuning forks instead of guns. Yes. Yes. Mm. That's explained by there being footage from the original where Reggie is using a tuning fork to tune a guitar or something and play music. Yeah. He shows off his chops in both movies. He keeps singing songs. It's a little bit of an ego piece. Yeah. Just let Reggie sing a song, whatever. He keeps sacrificing his body for your movies, whatever. Look, he'll be happy. Here's where we get Jebediah Morningside a lot. Uh, We find out that Jebediah, or Jedediah, I thought, whatever, who cares, um, from a long time ago was married to that old psychic lady who we talked about from the first one. Mm -hmm. So they're both sort of interdimensional beings in a way. Um, And he's a terrible actor. Okay. Angus Scrim. Yeah, I want to talk good. about him very briefly. Great look, yeah. great intensity to his face. He's known for just going, boy. <laughs> yes. And it being intimidating and weird. But once he's Jebediah Morningside and he's supposed to be like, let me get you some tea. What can I get for you? He's got like, like five pleasant, lines in a row. Person. Yeah, Mike travels back to the past. And when he sees him, he's like, oh, goodness, I didn't see you there. Can I help you? Where are you from? Do you want some tea? What's going on? Like, everything has the same cadence. Uh-huh. And then he goes, oh, did you come through the dimensional fork? And they're like, whoa! Yeah. He knows hey, about he it! Gets it! So he was an, an inventor who opened a gateway. Technology yielded all this, I wrote. But to okay. what end? Yeah, why? Yeah. I have no so idea. So four is where we get kind of the backstory. Four is where we get a little bit of the backstory. But again, it doesn't necessarily amount to much. And it ends again with just sort of like more questions in a way. They just sort of get away. Right. And we're left with this hint of like there's more to come. Mm -hmm. And there are multiple tall men. And this isn't over yet. It never will be. Which is kind of a shock. Because that movie came out in 1998. And then we get Phantasm Ravager, which came out in like 2018. Yes. So like 20 years later. It's astounding how confident they are to end it. Like as a a writer, maybe I've got the wrong impulse here. Maybe I should be leaving everything on a cliffhanger. Everything. Listen, barely a day goes by that people don't ask me for more Blackwood. Uh Uh-huh. And that does end with a a heaping of uncertainty. That's true. So maybe that is a good thing. Who knows? But I I feel like I want to, like, categorically make a statement and end something. Yeah. But... It's maybe satisfying, fin- but it yeah, maybe, who knows? Because it's incredible that they went another 20 years and then got to Ravager. Absolutely. So Ravager, I mean, it's it's more of the same like dream versus real life thing and which is which. So Reggie now um, is in like a home, basically. Yeah. And Mike is visiting him. He's an old man. Right. And it's going back and forth between him kind of like waking up in the home like, whoa, and him... I don't even know if you call it falling asleep, but just sort of being thrown into this other world. So this, I think, is actually kind of clever, even though it rides the line of taste. Mm -hmm. But it might have just been their vantage point. Five is less about literal dreams and more about the aging process and what happens if you are somebody who is becoming unstuck in time via... Like, yeah, dementia. There's definitely a very sad read of it. There is. At one point, he is in the home, and he sees basically like a rip in the world where there are bad guys. It's not not even a tall man. It's like a bad guy with a gun or something like that. And I guess Reggie somehow gets hands on his gun, 
and turns around and who had been like nurses and doctors are now bad guys who are coming to attack him and he like shoots all of them and i thought that it was going to go back to like normal world and it's going to show that he has somehow attacked these people because he thought that they were these enemies from the other world but actually doesn't do that it is the other world and so what you would need to take away from this is that there's a world in which the tall man is ruling everything and now there are people who are like on the ground wanting to fight the tall man who are kind of like underground revolutionaries or something and so they are going to work together with reggie and mike and jody to try to defeat the tall man and it ends on a you're right another cliffhanger where they're they're all in the barracuda they're driving away but there are gigantic sentinels those silver ball things like hanging in the air like this is just the environment that they're in so like the size of planets now yes so it just gives the impression that this is this is ongoing the entire world has been taken over and corrupted mm-hmm. i i really <clears throat> i kind of in a weird way i'm fascinated by and like five mm-hmm. and think that it works really tidily with one the idea of one being about nightmares yeah <clears throat> And this being about sort of like the end of your life. Right. And almost like a power fantasy in a way of like, well, I'm trapped in this room. What if I were the most important person on the planet and I was the one needed to fix everything? Right. So like it easily could, you could read it as, yeah, somebody who has lost all agency trying to imbue themselves with power again yeah or you can take it at face value and phantasm rules and go okay we're going into the terminator 2 future yes where we all fight against skynet and skynet is silver balls in the air and the tall man still right um there's a scene in the movie where reggie wakes up in a bed in the the hospital and uh angus scrim is in another bed right beside him. Mm-hmm. Old man, yes. even yep. older Angus Scrim. Angus Scrim died just before this movie yeah. could come out. Mm-hmm. He he lived long enough to make these movies for 40 years. Yeah. And he was in that first movie considered to be like an old guy. Yeah. It, it's like incredible that they did that. But Angus Scrim in the movie in a bed implied to almost be the real Angus Scrim. Or mm-hmm. is it Jebediah Morningside? Is it... Just an old man that Reggie has turned into his because he sees him in the room. He's now bigged him up to be the the grand right, he's villain. Kind of projecting. Angus Scrim in the other bed goes like, "Oh, hello." He goes, "I think that they bring us to this room to die." Yeah, and genuinely, genuinely, no, it was a cool scene. It's a cool scene. Yeah, and it takes a lot of like guts or dedication, at least, to wanting to tell a an honest story or your craft or to, to confront your own mm-hmm. lively, yes. not livelihood in terms of job, but like your own mortality, mortality because yeah. Angus Scrim wouldn't Was, make it out of this one right, alive. Right. And it's pretty amazing to see somebody who's toward the end of their life being like, I think I'm here to die. I feel that way too. I know that there've been other things that I've watched and I can't think of what at all right now where there've been similar things. And I think it's really cool brave yeah and brave um uh the log lady in twin peak season three that, that definitely is what i'm thinking of. it's yeah. absolutely incredible margaret mm-hmm. colson mm-hmm. it's just incredible and it's a dedication to what you're doing and like even if you think phantasm 5 ravager isn't good right that 30 seconds of angus scrim yes. is like an artist 
like using their own reality to tell a story for themselves. I don't yeah. know. I, I thought that that was pretty interesting. No, I, I did too. Yeah. So, yeah. So, honestly, the story could live on. Yeah, I guess we'll so. See. It doesn't, I gotta say, it doesn't seem like people are clamoring for it. No. There's obviously, you know, a, a fan base that's really strong for Phantasm, but, um, you know, well, I mean, you never know. You yeah. never know. You never know. Right. You never know. There, there's a moment where uh, they bring a, 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 there's a little person performer mm-hmm. in the movie who I think is here primarily so that they can be like, we've tried to say that little people are scary for 40 years. Right. Can we give somebody... Yeah, like, he's a hero. Yeah, he's a hero. But they give him the worst kind of lines. They, yeah. they gave this guy like all those like action movie cliche kind of lines. He says at one point to the tall man, he goes, hey, little guy, mm-hmm. where the fudge do you think you're going? Like he's going to be the badass to stop the tall man, but nobody can ever stop the tall man. Right. But the way that it ends again, again, feels derivative. Yeah. The end of Ash versus Evil Dead. Did you watch that show? Mm-hmm. Did you watch the whole No, shlemiel? I didn't. No. So the way that movie, movie, the way that series ends is that Ash wakes up and it's the future. And it's like, it seems like it's like hundreds of years in the future. Uh-huh. And a bunch of like badass post-apocalyptic warrior people are like, he's up. Get the oh. get the car, and he like suits up in future tech or whatever, and they're they're like we're gonna finish the fight, yeah. And he drives off into a deadite post apocalypse war zone, yeah. And this movie, yes. Phantasm Five Ravager, is Jody, Reggie, and Mike in the Barracuda, <laughs> in the future, battleified, being like it's time for us to stop this, boys, yeah. and they drive off. It's just incredible how, like, beat for beat this is. Yes. Still, yes. 40 years on, meaning that Don Coscarelli is, like, in his 60s and is still somewhat cribbing. Right. From Evil Dead is is almost incredible. In your 20s, that makes a certain amount of sense. You right, because be, it's not like it hasn't been pointed out to him by this point. Yeah. You can be inspired by something. You can homage something. You can try to do a spiritual mm-hmm. recreation of something. Yeah. But this is, like, arguably... He's friends with Sam Raimi? Uh-huh. It's just weird. It is. It definitely is weird. But that's how you take a, a an ice cream man friend in the first movie and turn him into the hero. Is you just insist that he is. Right. You just tell everybody he is repeatedly. Yes. Uh, it's so weird. So that is Phantasm, everyone. From soup to nuts. That's absolutely right. So I think we both recommend the first one. Yeah. And maybe not anything else? I I do like the fifth one. Okay. I don't know if I'd recommend it. There's a lot of like digital ugliness. Yeah. Like it, it's not even directed by Don Cross. No. It's the only one not di- directed by him. Yep. Which is bizarre. Yeah, it's written by him and produced by him still, but it's not writ- uh, directed by him. And it feels like a movie where they were like, well, special effects have gotten so good. You'd be amazed what we can do these days. <laughs> right. And it looks so much worse. Definitely. I'm not a purist of like, no CGI. Mm-hmm. Only, you know, real effects or whatever. Only practicals. Yeah. But when you look at Phantasm Five Ravager, you're like, just get... It's a pretty good argument for just, just doing practical effects. dangle a silver ball from a string, everybody, because yeah. this looks bad. Definitely. Um, so that is it, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed it. Please go to patreon.com slash gttupod if you're able to, to support the show and you enjoy it because it absolutely keeps us going. It makes a humongous difference. And we have a number of different tier options where you can get up to a bonus episode every single week. So it's really awesome. And thank you so much, everybody, 
who's already over there. And I also want to say, in two weeks, if you're listening to this live, we are going to be at the Jersey Devil Fable Festival in Asbury Park, New Jersey. It's free. You can just walk up. And we're going to be doing a live show there. So that we're going to be there on Saturday, May 7th. And we really hope to see some of you there. Yeah, I would love to see you there. It's going to mm-hmm. be a lot of fun. Yeah. It seems like there's like a, a big beefy schedule of stuff going yes. on. Yes, yes. We're happy to be a part of it. So come out to see us. Come out to see anybody. We'll have a good time. Absolutely. Uh, you can follow us online. We are at G. GTTU pod on all social media. Keep up to date with what we are doing. Um, I have a new website where I'm going to be posting some uh, of my, I'm hoping to have that be sort of like where I post anything new that I'm developing. Mm-hmm. Um, and even just like an archive of all my writing and shows that I've done over the years. It is willrogers.live. Nice. So you can go over there, you can subscribe so that you can uh, stay up to date every time I post something. Uh, and you can also follow us online. Yep, I'm at Chillin' Kristen. I am at The Myth Traveler. So thank you all so much for hanging out with us and trying to parse out what this was. Yeah. there's a, It's a lot. And, and undeniably, there's probably a thousand things that we did not touch on because how could we possibly? Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be back next week for more of something, but none of this. Until that time comes, we must travel. Back to the netherworld, go we. Back to the tall man's universe. That's right, with hopefully no sentinels following us. Ooh, with any luck. Ooh. Uh, uh, uh.